You're listening to Emma Nash, Screen Queens. Hi, fellas. Welcome to Emma Nash, Screen Queens. We're going to spend as close to one hour, we'll try not to waffle on too much, telling you what you should be watching at the cinema if yours is still open. Please go and visit it if it is or just on your own sofa on Netflix or Amazon or that Apple thing Emma keeps trying to get us to buy or Disney Plus. I don't think any of us have terrestrial TV, but yeah, we'll find out. Anyway, I'm Ash and here is Em. Hello there. Happy Friday. Happy Halloween Eve Eve. And here's producer Stu. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening indeed, Stuart. (laughs) sound like Emma looks she's in a very high neck dramatic black Victoriana ensemble it's quite an unusual look anything high neck just people who know me will know that it's quite unusual anyway as you know it looks I like, like to... you're wearing a minimalist ruff minimalist ruff this in fact I think was just a new look purchase from a couple of years ago but I put it on today and I must admit I am feeling when I put it on I feel slightly more refined although it is a bit very much suits you oh and then it's still got a hint of the m so you can see some boob up close just a hint of the puppies because we don't want to let them go because you know it's always been the best bit it's always your best feature isn't it except that and my smile (laughs) i I don't know why it's better i like that the boobs are great i think the boobs are better than anything else to be quite fair but yeah that is (laughs) that is very true How's everyone's week been? Ash and I saw each other IRL, did we not? Stuart, IRL. Stuart turned us down. He did not wish to come. Well, it sounds Washing like I dodged hair. a bullet. You went to a dry Although did restaurant. Do, you did dodge a bullet. So let me tell this. I'll say this very quickly. So it was a, it ended up being a double date with myself, husband with the bad taste, partner with the good shouts, and Ash. And as we walked for our early dinner, because we had left the children unattended, and we were like, right, marvellous, going to Cambridge, early dinner drink some wine, have some grown-up conversation, rush back before the children lose it. We walked in and both Ash and partner with a good chat looking very shifty. And Ash was like, David has a confession. He has something he needs to tell you, which immediately piqued my interest. So many things flooded through my head. There's new (laughs) jobs, there's babies, there's marriage, new pop, you can know what it be. And then it was the fact that since the restaurant we were in had reopened after COVID, it was not serving any alcohol. It was now a dry restaurant. So I nearly obviously flung my flung my menu down and marched right back out again. But I didn't because I remember having a lovely intimate date in there with just Ash and the food is delicious. So it instead so instead we just said, Don't bother starters. Just bring yeah. main course. We ate very quickly, happy. got the bill immediately. You were craning your neck for anyone walking around that might have been related to a staff member even to take our order. We're like, let's fucking get out of here. There was a table with a bunch of babies behind us. And I think I was even trying to catch the baby's eyes and I hope that maybe the babies might know what to do, but they take didn't. My goddamn order. Maybe and the babies had we... snuck some booze in for you. Well, then we went for a delightful drink back in the Alex, which for those who don't know, was our old local right opposite the old 105 studio where we used to do our Cambridge movie review show. And it was lovely actually because the head barman there looked very jolly, seemed to still be making a living, and I was and seemed Glad excited to, to think us. we were back in the studio. And we said, no, we're not, but we are doing an amazing podcast. Amazing you should listen. Podcast <laughs> with up to 40 listeners per episode. 
sometimes as much as 70 sometimes as much as 90 we've had nearly 100 on the first one which is the worst one i know people need to people need to move on from that when you start on a new podcast always dive into the middle to check it out and then go back when you're a fan to the beginning when we come to the silver anniversary podcast which is only (laughs) a couple away we'll really we'll go hard we'll go hard on both word of mouth marketing viral marketing all the marketing Mm. we're gonna push because I feel like we're settled into this now. Anyway, it was delightful to see you, IRL, Ash. And it felt like the old days, sinking Prosecco very swiftly in yeah. the Alex. Yeah, we're good at that, aren't we? We're going to let... Well, I say let. We're going to make Stuart do some talking, because I think you're the only one that knows what you're talking about on one of these things this week. But first up, I saw a little... Uh, preview screener of this film but I can't find it available to watch anywhere so I hope it gets a deal soon Um, but it's called The Secrets We Keep Uh, so it's about a woman rebuilding her life in suburban America after World War II and then we Em and I both saw I don't think Stuart saw this On the Rocks which is Sophia Coppola's new thing with Bill Murray and Rashida Jones it's basically a father-daughter rom-com and then Stu's going to take it away on The Mandalorian because it's, I was going to say science and then sports, but it's neither of those things. What's the word I'm looking for? Sci-fi. Sci-fi. Sci-fi Star Wars. Star Wars. It's right. Star Wars. Last week, Stuart waxed lyrical about Star Trek. This right, week, this he's different. waxing lyrical about the Star Wars universe. Mm. We will get that right. Um, and then Em's been wanting to talk about modern love for ages. I still haven't tried it out, but... It's an ensemble cast of everybody famous from Tina Fey to Anne Hathaway. And everyone in between. Everyone who wasn't in the trial of Chicago 7 is popping up in Modern Love. Well, Em's going to tell us about that. And then David Letterman has a new series out. My next guest needs no introduction. Famously kicked off this new series with Kim Kardashian. Um, He's had Lizzo on. Who else did he have? Can't remember. I'll go back and look at the list. I just want to, uh, I'm going to butt in very quickly. Last night I had a FaceTime mm. with my best friend in America last night and she did amuse me because we were discussing the whole Kim Kardashian and her private island party, which oh, gosh, is yeah. ridiculous anyway. She hasn't read about But um, she came in to find her husband watching the David Letterman show. And he said, you know what, Hadley? I find Kim very relatable. And Hadley was like, instead of relatable, do you just mean hot? And he was like, yeah, maybe I just... I enjoy, yeah, her visual company. Yeah, I mean, she's a pretty woman. But you, you, I'm excited to hear more about... Say. Yeah. <laughs> it's relatable, I know, what with your, on your private island with your yeah. quarantine testing and your party for 24. You are the definition of the opposite. Um, and then, this won't be what we're finishing on, but rounding out the formal reviews, Emma has been asking for a while now to sing the praises and make the case for... Below Deck, which looks like an even shitter version of all the Housewives shite I watch on Bravo. I don't watch Housewives shite, so I can't. Do Emma sell young people working like dogs on million dollar charter boats? This just confuses me as well because I've been watching Star Trek Lower Decks, as we've said on a secret uh, previous episodes. They're not the same thing. Very, very different. But I need to shout out to my friends who recommended it to me because I've got friends who have paid money to continue watching this and have taken all nine seasons down. And I, 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 so yeah, I'll I'll give my professional podcast um, opinion on this, particularly in my high, in my high rough top, in your minimal rough. That is the most 
on-point sartorial comments Stuart's ever made, I think. Oh, thanks. Minimal well rough is exactly what it is. Um, and then we will finish up with some more news about local cinemas in Cambridge, and then we're going to share our favourite Halloween-y things because they're showing a few brilliant Halloween films and we want to drive all of our local listeners to the cinemas. Out to a lovely, safe, socially distanced cinema trip because, let's face it, the cops yeah. have gone back. What else is there to do? Sit in the drizzle by your new fire pits oh, or whatever. I love a bit of drizzle. And I'm burning some stuff tomorrow. I've been saving up all the cardboard for months. My good witchy fire. But I just went into home base and literally there is nothing other than like Kindle. By it, it, It's like an entire... And I thought to myself, a, yet again, a weird thing from 2020. Who would have thought at the beginning of this? Who would have put in their budgets to Kindle companies? Better look for a massive sale Invest. around October. <laughs> uh, expert in burning things over here. Try not to burn too much cardboard, though. You want to use the cardboard to start the fire, but certainly go out to a supermarket and buy some of the dry, sort of kiln-drying wood. Otherwise, you're going to have loads of, like, nasty smoke in your faces all evening. Ooh, I, I bought some of the... Yeah, I bought some super-compressed logs. I bought about three different yeah. types of kindling from home base, and one go. of them are, like, super-compressed logs. They were very heavy. As and they got as, holes through the middle. Yeah, as long as they look like dried out and they're totally dry because the more moisture you have in your fuel the more smoke you get and the more unpleasant it'll be they look fake i feel a bit like a massive cheat that i haven't just been <laughs> splitting logs in a seven brides and seven brothers manner for the last couple of months but like i said if someone else is doing that for me and they are now sitting there just on a pile of money that they weren't expecting to see because we're all going to sit in our gardens for the next four months who am i to argue with that so be it i'm calling it now next hobby for producer stew when he gets bored of smoking meat in his garden on a barbecue not the gay euphemism but he is free to do as he wishes um you're going to start splitting your own logs stew i reckon i, I think i can um, see it I'd, I'd, I'd like to do that I can, I can envision myself doing that but i think um i need to, to buff up the upper, upper body strength first so that when i do it i can do it topless and then it looks all the more impressive mm. but right now my my torso looks like yeah. it was sculpted out of a block of spam so um yeah. dad bod it's all the rage well well yeah you can log yeah. split with a dad bod i think that a lot of people would follow that on instagram <laughs> okay well we'll see how many followers i have next week <laughs> i'll photoshop something we'll put it on the ash and m it'll be great cool. but shall we get started because i have um i'll just be quite quick about the secrets we keep because i can't find it to watch anywhere but if it pops up on your streaming service in your country or in a local art cinema i would give this a go um the secrets we keep came out this year directed by yuval adler who did The Operative last year. He hasn't done a lot. He's only done four or five things, um, but it has Numi Rapace in it in the lead role. Um, after World War II, she emigrates to and marries an American, but she was treated heinously by uh, Nazi Germans. She's a Romani gypsy, um, and I really can't remember which country she was from, but when the Nazis sort of invaded that country they basically gave the gypsy population over to them like we don't want these people you take them so it was pretty heinous for that group um and she's obviously dealing with ptsd she's trying to struggle to fit in with her new life and she thinks one day she recognizes a tall blonde european looking man um with what sounds to her like a german accent walking past her shop and it turns out he lives down the road. He's just moved in with his American wife and they have a baby. And she loses her mind a bit, wondering 
if this man is one of the men who treated her heinously, killed her entire family, or if she's just going a bit mad and her husband gets embroiled in all this, it's very violent and edge of your seat. And you have no idea who's telling the truth, who's right until right at the very end. So I can't tell you anymore because there'll be spoilers, but it's it's very good and tight and sort of taut as well in terms of your fear levels. It's only an hour and a half. Um, so if you can find the secrets we keep from 2020, not the one that came out a few years earlier, because that's a crappy horror, then give it a go. New Mirror Pace is fabulous in it. And we don't get a lot of films led by European women as she is playing in this. So I liked it. It was horrible. But lightening the mood, M. Yeah. What's on, I want you to tell us what the lovely on the rock story is, because it reminds me of the adorable relationship you have with partner Good Shout's new best friend, your dad, Kendrick. Both similarly. Oh, that has tickled me so much. (laughs) If I was Rashida, right. So, okay. On the Rocks is our new written and directed by Sophia Coppola. And I am going to preface this by saying that I don't love everything Sophia Coppola has done or does do. I did greatly enjoy The Virgin Suicides, but that was an adaptation of something else. And I loved her Marie Antoinette story with, with Kiss and Death. Uh, and I loved The Beguiled. But I didn't, I was never all that into Lost in Translation, which obviously was the one that really made her name. And I never really grabbed mm. me that much. And I feel that On the Rocks is slight, it, it has that Lost in Translation vibe, possibly because it's starring Bill Murray, possibly not. Anyway, story is you have Rashida Jones as one of the most hip middle-aged Brooklyn mothers you can imagine and I'm so jealous of her I mean yeah this whole film is more just about I felt like look how amazing Brooklyn is every t-shirt she wears every pair of trousers she wears her interior the fringe the fringe great she's married to the terribly dishy Marlon Wyans who's playing her husband Dean who at this point is Going, a lot, going away for work a lot for travel and has a foxy, foxy co-worker called Fiona or Fee, Jesse Hamrick. Basically, Rashida Jones is concerned that he is having an affair with his co-worker. And this is where it starts. And then she ends up hooking back up with her. Well, not hooking back up. That's incorrect. Sorry. She, she ends up getting back in touch with her playboy father, Bill Murray, who clearly has had this kind of life of just women and booze and travel and glamour. So... He, she, she ends up seeing him. You never really work out where exactly he lives. I think he'd been in France at the time, but he comes to New York to come and visit her. And the two of them kind of get together and become, it's like watching Stakeout with Richard Dreyfuss and Emilio Estevez or whatever. They just basically hunt her husband down. They follow him around Brooklyn. And even actually at the end, they travel as far as Mexico to confirm or deny whether or not he's having an affair because Bill Murray's attitude is like, all men will have affairs eventually they will lose interest in you eventually because we're all attracted to much younger women because that's me and Rashida Jones is like maybe not all men are that crappy like you were you have her you have also his so you have Bill Murray's sisters and mother there's a scene on early at the beginning you see Rashida Jones dropping up her adorable poppets her adorable hipster poppets at their sort of preschool and school in Brooklyn as well it was so slight as to me, you could have breathed and this whole film would have just <laughs> circled down the road like a tumbleweed. Um, 
I don't know, it falls into my less loving section of Sofia Coppola. I felt it was a little bit like, I really like Bill Murray. He's clearly a great family friend. They obviously get on very well. And Rashida Jones, who I mostly think of initially as Anne, obviously from Parks and Recreation. Mm. But since then, she kind of, she, she did, I think, in Black AF, which we talked about way, way back on probably about episode five or something, where she plays Joya, the sort of fake yet real wife of... Kenya, she, she, I think she's got much more range than she ever had as Anne. And I, I, I enjoy her as a screen presence. And she seems, I'm sure her real life is probably terribly cool and Brooklyn-like. But I don't, not enough happened in this film for me to really care about anybody. It was beautiful. They go to amazing restaurants with amazing wallpaper. They drink lots of martinis. Bill Murray is suitably Bill Murray, like a silver fox. And bless you, Ashley, for saying that that would be like me and Kendrick. The last person I think I would get involved with my love life would be Kendrick. But I, I'm entertained by the fact that he and I, in fact, I must admit that when we had dinner, when we had lunch in partner with the Good Shouts restaurant, that was not dissimilar. I, you know, I could imagine actually we were drinking delicious wine as recommended <laughs> by your sommelier boyfriend and all the rest. And so maybe we could be seen a little bit of this. But like I say, it's, it's an hour and a half it's not going to offend anybody, but it didn't make me like, you said a rom-com. I say it's very light on the com. It has a sort of, it's just a very, like I say, it's a very Brooklyn, very New York vibe and just really nothing really happens in it. Rashida Jones allegedly, I think is kind of, she's working as a copywriter, but she's also trying to write a book. So she seems to spend a lot of time in a glorious office, but I've got no idea what she's actually Mm. doing to earn the money to have that office or even what her job is to justify that office. You copyright from home. That's why you're a copywriter. That's the allure of it. And she's obviously stuck in a kind of midlife, you know, she's, I guess it's got something interesting to say about that point when you're hitting 40 and you are, you've been with one person for some time and, you've had children together and, and and you're worried that you're not enough for them or that they're, they're seeking other more exciting things outside of the domestic arena. But I don't know. I didn't think, I thought that Marlon, and this is unusual actually, I was going to say for a male, I thought Marlon Wayans role was really underwritten. I thought Dean's role as a husband, I thought he was really underwritten because he's, a, he's, he's got a lot of charisma Marlon Wayans as the Wayans brothers do have. And I thought they could have utilized that more. But instead, he, he just seems like he's, he's kind of like a cipher almost for her own insecurities to be put onto him. Whereas mm. actually, he doesn't really give her any reason to, well, there's a, you know, he doesn't really give her there any are, reason. There are, yeah, good misunderstandings, which can easily be misunderstood. And there are quite a few of them in a short space of time. So if, in, if you're in that headspace, you can easily follow that path and believe that narrative. But like you say, it's more this idea of like, a, it's more of a kind of turf father love story shall we say but you know all you know the the an affectionate look at the relationship between the two of them and both Bill Murray and Rashida Jones are terribly likable and obviously I presume they're probably I I imagine they're both probably personal friends of Sophia Coppola's anyway so she directs them in a very sympathetic manner Mm. but it just left me feeling a little bit like and it's which is a bit like how I felt at the end of Lost in Translation, but Lost in Translation was more powerful. This is pretty much the same premise, but fluffier and with a father-daughter. Um, but, it was not, cute enough. But it didn't even have that interesting thing that Lost in Translation has, which is they're in this incredibly foreign city. You know, the whole thing about Lost in Translation is they're in Tokyo and this is a city that is so different from, you know, America or the West 
if you will. Whereas, you know, in this, that they're in their they're in their hometown. Brooklyn, yeah. Which you thing know. I had problem with at the end. She Rashida Jones alludes to it when she says something at the end. She make gives them a recommendation for how their relationship can continue and be better. And I thought, depending on which way you read this, Bill Murray is a baddie. He is a bad guy who's tried to do something very bad to his kid. Or he just knew all along how it was going to end and just saw an excuse for some capers because he knew her husband so well. No, I think he's kind of a terrible person. No, I do think he's a terrible person. I think in some ways she's written him as a terrible kind of 1970s stereotype. He's like, you're just going to have to accept that all men fall out of love with their middle age. I think he goes through a long description at one point yeah. about why men are attracted to younger women. It's to do with, you know, their hairlessness and all this, all this kind of, you know, yeah. all this kind of thing. And it, I don't think he's meant to be terribly sympathetic, but at the same time, it's hard for Bill Murray not to be sympathetic. And he seems to be living his best life so much. There's a no point. There's no, it's not as if this is written to kind of be poignant about the fact, like, look at this poor, sad, elderly guy who's actually really, you know, ready to move on. Yeah. And yeah, he's just, he's still, they have this great, one scene I did enjoy, they're in a beautiful restaurant. I think this is the wallpaper you see in the kind of, in the shot that advertised yeah. on the poster. And this very attractive woman who's probably somewhere between Rashida Jones's age and Bill Murray's age comes over and clearly she and Bill Murray have had some kind of relationship in the past. And they have this hello and you're like, well, you know, good. I mean, she seems delighted to see him. He's delighted to see her. Everyone in this film seems delighted to see everybody else. I, it just, there was just no dramatic tension for me. Nothing. No. Like I say, it felt like tumbleweed drifting down the road, but looking very pretty while it did it it's cutesy enough if you enjoy watching bill murray for his face and his script delivery then this will hold you for an hour and a half if you don't then you won't be interested but you need that big fancy expensive apple tv anyway to watch it so you have to go around emma's won't you yeah you can all come around mine and watch the world's fluffiest show it everyone was- welcome yeah, if yeah, and uh, yeah, it was it was just fine, which is how I feel about a lot about Sophia Coppola's stuff. Um, I was going to say, I think possibly, if you're going to watch anything by Sophia Coppola, watch The Beguiled. And Ashley's now going to probably shake her head furiously, but I think that was the, my favorite thing that she's ever done. That and the Virgin Suicides. But I'm not. Yeah, entirely... Virgin Suicides. Everyone should see the Virgin Suicides once a year. I like directing. I'm not of her um, feels like this could be her and Spike Jones in an apartment in Brooklyn. Not interesting enough for us, but give On The Rocks a go if you've got Apple TV and you have a spare Sunday afternoon. Something that I think is going to get a slightly better review. Only slightly. <laughs> Stuart, take it away, Geekathon. So, uh, yesterday, uh, oh, today, today, in fact, sorry, yesterday, today, 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 in fact, it is the launch of the latest series of The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. This is the Star Wars first ever real action TV series. So we've had a lot of TV series for Star Wars over the years. We've had The Clone Wars. We've had Rebels. There are other ones that are ongoing, which I don't really watch because they're 
not as good. You've had other ones going back to when they did the Star Wars holiday special, or which sort of targeted kids and selling merchandise. But this is the first live action TV show on Disney Plus, and the first series was critically acclaimed. It received a lot of excellent praise and attention for its attention to detail. It's not just the universe, but the production values that went into it as well, and they haven't um, they haven't lost any of that. At least in this first episode of season two. So one of the things, Emma, you you go first. You just no 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 no. I no one to ask you a question. Sure. Does Baby Yoda pop up in episode one, season two? Yes. So Baby Yoda is going to be a consistent theme throughout because at the, towards the end of the first season, um, the Mandalorian, uh, played by Pedro, Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal. He was tasked ultimately so if you haven't seen series one i'm not going to give too much away but at the end of the series it's now his job to care for and find the pe- the parents or at least the the origin species of the child who is as we all know baby yoda same species as yoda but a child um speaking a little bit nerdy for a second the child because the yoda species is ages so slowly and they live so long the child is meant to be like 50 already but it's still basically a little baby because just that's just how slowly they grow and it is the cutest thing i think ever created by cgi is it not it's not cgi it's a little puppet not cgi i um in another podcast i listened to a very many merry iconic podcast where they delve into how classic christmas films are made they had the guy on who made the fat belly for Tim Allen in the Santa Claus films. And he's worked on all sorts of brilliant stuff, like maybe Jurassic Park and Star Wars and things. And there was a, I can't remember who's responsible for making sure that that wasn't CGI, but someone very famous came in and said to the team, you're cowards if you don't do practical effects on this because it just won't be the same because you need to have such a connection to it don't you so cgi wouldn't have worked and so because the mandalorian is basically nursing and caring this tiny little creature he's got to be able to pick it up and wander around with it and i I suspect for most of the series he'll spend most of the time with the child under his arm just carrying it around everywhere it's quite cool because he has this nice little um Sort of so in sci-fi you get all these handy little hover devices whether that's a hover car hover bike the uh the the child has a hover pram effectively which is quite sweet and it's and it sort of becomes a part of the character so in in this first episode of the new series there's a very cute bit right at the beginning of the episode where they're in a sort of a a rough space bar space saloon if you will um and the having the little kid having now followed him around for a season knows the signs and the triggers when shit is going to go down and so the mandalorian is is having a fat a standoff with some effectively space gangsters if you will and um shuts the lid on his pram so he doesn't get caught in the crossfire which is very sweet and and very cute um touching on the point about space saloons and stuff one of the things about star wars on the whole has been discussed for a very long time is the idea of it being a space western so it's not strictly just sci-fi. It shares a lot of traits with the Western as well. So, you, so for example, the original Star Wars trilogy, uh, Luke Skywalker, basically a farm kid, having a relatively peaceful existence, trouble comes into town, and then the 
mission, the, the adventure begins to get the trouble out of town and to clear them out of town again and to return to the status quo. And I think this first episode of season two is really, really, really sort of getting that on the nose. It's like really sort of rubbing your face in it a bit because Mando, the Mandalorian, basically rolls into town and it is basically a, a, a crappy little border town out in the sticks in a dust bowl and the entire arc of the story is you come to town, something bad's going on, you've got to team up with the townsfolk to kill the baddie to gain their respect and get what you came into town for in the first place. It couldn't be more space western if you tried um, and it's great. I've got a question to ask Ashley. Have you watched a minute of this, Ash? I don't know what. I thought the Mandalorian was a spaceship. Is it a person? He's a bounty hunter, isn't he, basically? We so, watched half, the, we watched about two-thirds, maybe, of the first season. But I'm not going to lie, Stuart, I, I, I don't know, it didn't grab us. This is a whole family. So maybe you're telling me I should go back to it. What I'm most disappointed about is that they will not show me Pedro Pascal's face. He is, to me, the Red Viper in Game of Thrones. If that dishy dishy man's face is not on my tv why am i watching this so i can answer two questions there with that so two things is that the mandalorian he's a bounty hunter yes whatever but the mandalorian isn't his name um his name is mentioned a few times in the series but so rarely i forget everyone just calls him mando or mandalorian but the mandalorians are a race in the star wars universe they are a, a proud warrior race and they all get killed out during the rise of the empire like darth vader the stormtroopers all, all that lot um, so post the events of the Star Wars films we all know from the original trilogy um, they're basically wiped out um, so they've just left odd odd Mandalorians here there throughout the galaxy trying to make ends meet trying to make a life for themselves doing what they do best which is fighting um, and to answer your other point which I'm my brain's already slipping away. No, my question was yeah. A, why do they not show me Pedro Pascal's face and B, should I get back into this because and, we weren't that grounded. And they don't We're show not you... huge Star Wars fans, to be fair. Yeah, and Pedro Pascal's face isn't shown very often because of the fact that the Mandalorians, as a race, um, they basically believe that um, their weapons and their armour are a part of their self and their conscience. So they don't show their faces to other strangers. They basically treat all of their equipment as almost like religious iconography. Um and that's why you don't see his face. And that caused some rumours to happen during the production of this series. Like Pedro was allegedly storming off set and he was refusing to be on camera. Or he Should was... she see a diva? No, it turns out. But that was that was the, the that was the spin from the media press. They were all saying, yeah, Oh no, drama. he's being a yeah, he's being a drama queen, he's being a diva because oh my god, my contract says that I should be on screen this much and no one can see my face, blah blah blah. But the reality is he went into this deal, he read the script, he knew what was going on, he knew what the Mandalorians were, but it just means that a lot of the time, particularly with um uh sort of people's individual sort of schedules conflicting and stuff it means that it's quite easy for a stunt double just to basically do the entire episode you never know because he never takes his helmet off but pedro just comes in and does the voiceover at the end ah. i won't hear a word against the red viper no one wears a yellow dressing gown like that man and no one gets their head squeezed in like that man either so don't please don't break my heart about that i i imagine at some point over this very deep dark lonely winter we are going to get back into the mandalorian because it is obviously it's john favreau who created it and directed it and it is amazing production values and baby yoda honestly ashley yeah 
you may not even think you, you you want a child or another puppy, but you're going to see that baby and you're going to want one of them because yeah. it's see, just it a so lot. Cute. I'm like, that's no, it's weird. No, but you haven't seen it floating around in the t- in the TV show itself. It just it is ador- I mean, adorable. One but of, that's uh, me redacting. Yeah. I'm really redacting the Star Wars love. <laughs> very middle-aged lady man, that was just like super cute. But, but yeah, Sorry. By, by the same token as well, it's breaking some some real ground with the, not just with the practical effects of Baby Yoda, but with the actual scenes and things. So you might think in a big sci-fi franchise like Star Wars, there's going to be a lot of green screen, which was true of the prequel trilogy. Um, but for this series, a lot of the sets, and you can't see me doing the rabbit ears for inverted comments, but the sets are largely just um, clever technology because now rather than having a green screen they have a wraparound lcd monitor basically around the back of the stage and they basically um, use a mixture of vr and augmented reality in coots with the positioning of the camera to basically to show the, the the background of the planet they're on on a screen behind them and it's an amazing technology, and they're going to look to bring the same sort of technology into the next series of Star Trek Discovery, and I imagine lots more TV series of this ilk going forwards. So it's it's doing some great stuff, and I I'm looking forward to seeing more of it. And it looks great. It look yeah, and I think as well, like like I've just said, but yeah, I think John Favreau is so you know it seems hard for me to kind of compute that he was the guy who made swingers all the way back in whatever that was 93 and then having you know launched the mcu with with iron man and this kind of thing i think he he yeah he knows what he is doing this is it's it's nerd content presented produced by nerds and we couldn't ask for more as a community of nerds (laughs) (laughs) great see representation matters people (laughs) I'm enjoying not having to do the heavy lifting. So that was Stuart on The Mandalorian, which is out today on Disney+. Yeah, oh, you have really... This This week is a real kind of... This is... Yeah. yeah. This I, week for me is my fuck you 2020 week because I've had <sighs> so much stuff to look forward to. It's like... this is Yeah, it's great. And I was just thinking about the fact that, yeah, Stuart, yeah, Ash just really managed this week to kind of slide by everything. Good on you, Ash. That's what I need. Maybe is. I need to think about that one week. Right. Speaking of, do you want to tell us about Modern Love, which I know nothing about? See, this was where I, did, I just suddenly realised this was coming up next. I was like, geez, I really am. I'm, we're, me and Stuart are front and centre this week. Okay, so Modern Love, I think, is actually from last year. So we are late to the party. As per usual. It's an anthology show, which, to be fair, came out in 2019. So I think that we are very late to the party. But as I am the only massively middle-aged member of this trio, that is not a surprise to me because I feel that this has been written with massively middle-aged people in mind because most, a lot of my friends have been raving about this for some time. So it's eight episodes on Amazon Prime. It's already been renewed for season two and it's based on the New York Times column, which is exploring relationships and love within like the 20 teens, if you like. So Everyone is a self-involved little story and they're only half an hour. So I'm not going to lie. I think I just ripped into this one Thursday night with a bottle of Chardonnay, ended up watching five episodes back to back, didn't stop myself. And this is why I said, oh, we should talk about this because, you know, it is, it's something that maybe is fairly easy to get into. The cast is to die for. The first episode is about, it's a kind of story about a doorman and, um, oh, it's a, 
the cast is right. No, Kristin, Kristin Milliotti, who is um, she from How I Met Your Mother. I think she ends up being the mother at the very beginning. And it's a very, it was just a very, very sweet New York story. But you've got Tina Fey, you've got Anne Hathaway, you've got Catherine Keener, you've got Dev Patel, you've got Andrew Scott, aka Hot Priest from Fleabag, pops up later on. Andy Garcia is in this. Um, Sophia Batula, who you'll know, who my children would know from Kingsman or whatever. So every episode, there's something else. And you have in it middle-aged divorced couples, women who fall pregnant unexpectedly, gay couples who are looking to adopt from a homeless person. That's slightly specific. Julia up in one episode um, as a young girl who has a kind of father fetish. And it, it's just, but they're all very slickly told maybe a little too slickly but they're slickly told um and easily done within half an hour the, the Anne Hathaway episode she has bipolar so you know she is you know di di differentiating between dating and just taking to her bed for weeks on end but they are it's it's sharply written it's sweet they're based on real life columns the very very last episode is about old love it's like a couple who've met on a sort of seniors running club and it's that was really delightful, actually, because she, you, you know, from the beginning of the episode, the husband has died unexpectedly, but not hugely early. They're probably both about 70. And she reads the most beautiful monologue about how old love is different from young love. And so you have all of these different sort of takes on love, whether it be love for a mother, for a child, love second time around, love which is unrequited it's it, it's not it, it's and it's very new york and i think as well i watched it at a time when i was feeling kind of sensitive and like i could watch anything that was pre-covid and again you're watching new york around this whole scene and it's just a lovely writing of a city at a time when that city was still buzzing and everything is still happening so i'm not gonna lie i think personally some of that came in but it's beautifully done wonderful music as well really good music everything from supergrass round to Billie mm. eilish or whatever is in it's it, it, it is in the music and it's it's just it's easy on the eye it's easy on the ear and it has i swear to god if you don't like someone in one of these episodes then surely you're dead surely you're dead surely it doesn't like a good um ensemble cast well they're not, know, but they're, but they're very this kind of thing i don't know how you feel about self-involved they're all very self-involved half hour episodes but there is a lot, Ash, you would like it. There's an awful lot of interior okay. porn. Interior Ooh. porn and cafe porn. And some clothes porn as well, to be fair, because everybody's in it wearing different stuff. It's, yeah, there are moments you laugh out loud. There are moments that you cry a bit. It's just, it, it's very, very sweet. It's not going to change the world, but it's on Amazon Prime. It's so free. It's been out for probably about six months because, like I said, we're very late to the party. Um, it's going to have another season to come so you're not going to waste your time if you get into it and it is you're only looking at four hours worth of content for the whole season because it's just mm. half an hour each and yeah you know if you don't want to watch the episode with tina fey and john slattery playing a you know soon to be divorced late middle-aged couple playing tennis for the whole episode then who even are you oh that sounds terrible um, <laughs> next Sorry if you can hear dogs screaming at me. That's King Staniel of Trumpingtonia. Um, sounds all right, Em. Next time I run out of murders and serial killers, 
I might give it a go. I feel like this episode is a bit like what we've been watching. So we can, you know, we, we can then push this all to one side, talk about this and then move on. But as we've talked about a myriad of times, we are, you know, content is beginning to run out a little bit. And if mm-hmm. studios have got any sense, they're going to be dropping stuff now weekly, as they are with Mandalorian. Because we've all got a massive, well, particularly in Europe or Northern Europe, we've got a massively long winter to get through. Yep, we are going to start running out of stuff. This is why I'm listening to more and more podcasts now. Well, maybe so, we could bring those into our podcast, yeah. recommend other podcasts. I currently recommend love. Mark Maron, and he's got a decade's worth of podcasts. He got into the game early. He's still at it. He's done a bomb. And he is fucking awesome. I love him in Glow so beyond good. all belief. He Glow is just so got good. Canceled. I know, heartbreaking, heartbreaking. Yes, Steve. Definitely uh, podcasts I listen to. No such thing as a fish. Hilarious. The bugle. Uh, the Adam Buxton podcast. Need I go on? Just, just find some comedy podcasts. There's loads out there, and and some of them are on par with, um, radio for comedy. Um, I don't know, particularly for our international audience, you might not give me benefit of that, but it's. I think you know. I I add it in the same caliber. I was hoping. Shit. I was hoping for a moment, Stuart. You were going to say they are on par with this podcast. That's what I was oh, yeah. hoping well, you were going to say. Sorry, sorry. God no, damn it. No, no, no. no. <laughs> we're, we are better than them. We are way above them. Um, so, But we're a different genre. We, we, we are. Well, no, we're, quite, we're I, our I, very own genre. We are our very own genre. We are reviews with bants and occasional light comedy. That anyway, is modern rude. love is easy to find. <laughs> it's easy to find. And you know what, Ash? You mm-hmm. you are saying, oh, I can't imagine watching it. You <laughs> are hooked deeply into This Is Us, which I'm sure at some point is going to come up in the next few weeks. But because I hate it, because it's awful, <laughs> but I can't look away. I got very, very hooked. Like I said, the first episode with um, Kristen Milioti and this adorable doorman, it's a whole idea like New York doorman, you know, they, they know everything about you. That was the sweetest episode and I think mm. I got so hooked into it at that point that I ended up watching the whole thing but I didn't find anything that was quite as cute as the first episode that was and I cried my way through the, through that but I was also a bottle of Chardonnay in and it was 1am so wine drunk maybe I was not so Chardonnay tears exactly can't really count those well on to something a bit heavier but for a different reason my next guest needs no introduction with David Letterman is in its third season. So he has huge people on these shows and it's a sit down across from huge? them. Huge. They're huge. 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 So he's had Obama, Clooney, Malala, Jerry Seinfeld, Tina Fey, Howard Stern was a good one. So it's kind of set around him with just that guest on a stage with a small live audience. And then they could sort of intercut in scenes of him going around their hometown, doing some daily errands with them to get a better feel for their life. And this season, I don't think it's showing up for me as it opened with, who is this Shah Rukh Khan that's coming up as another new episode, coming out on the 25th? It came out on the 25th of October, but all dropping onto Netflix on the 21st, we had Lizzo, Dave Chappelle, Robert Downey Jr. and the most widely publicized one was Kim Kardashian West. And she gets into it about what it was like to live as a teenager through the murder of her mum's best friend by OJ Simpson. I'm sorry, then, did you just say who is Shah Rukh Khan? Yes, he's a, he he's is a like Bollywood one of the guy. Biggest Bollywood stars of I I mean I only watched 
I only watched a little bit of Bollywood when I did a course about 15 years ago. But yeah, he mm. is like the Tom Cruise of Bollywood, basically. Ah. So I think that would be really interesting because he, yeah, apart from um, Amit Khan, the, 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 the elder statesman of, of Bollywood who almost died and there were just, you know, almost hundreds of thousands of people mourning outside mm. his house. He's huge. So I think that's cool. Anyway. He's huge. Huge. Um, huge. I can, I rate Kim Kardashian West's. I've heard again on a different podcast I listened to everything iconic and there were two episodes um when they interviewed the director of the latest Paris Hilton documentary and she was talking a lot about Kim Kardashian West and several times now in recent years I've heard people say how deeply intelligent she is and you have to be four kids you run several businesses and you're training yourself to be a lawyer inside of a couple of years like that's hard, um, and this it does. Come is across. it Ashley? Is it that hard when you are like a multi-millionaire? Train yourself sure. to be a lawyer. Have you done a law degree before? <laughs> is she really doing a law? I'm, yes. I'm sorry. Look, check my incredulous face. Is she really though? Is yes. She, does anyone know if she is actually yes. properly studying to be? She's yes. too busy quarantining everybody and taking her off to <laughs> private island for two weeks for her birthday. I'm sorry. I remain unimpressed. Well, she very much is, and it's this. true. And I think it's a testament to how sort of impressive what she gets done is, because no one believes it. She's taking the same route to be a lawyer as Abraham Lincoln did. I think she's due to sit the baby bar soon. And yeah, you have to do, you have to be taken on by a, a law firm to do an apprenticeship. So she has to do like 20 hours a week or something, and then needs to pass the, the baby bar. And if you pass the bar, you pass the bar. I, I'm sorry, Ash. I'm not. I'm not on. I'm not on board with you on this one. Doing well, the same thing there's Abraham nothing to Lincoln be on board. Did. There are this no alternative was, facts. It's just yeah, happening. But, you know, but when you say she's doing the same thing Abraham Lincoln did, well, my God, if we all gave birth like people did when in Abraham Lincoln's <laughs> death, we'd all be dead for heaven's sake. So that makes no sense to me whatsoever. She's doing what Abraham Lincoln did in 1860. We're in 2020. All right. Emma's not on board. It's quite an interesting <laughs> interview, though, because you can tell, especially from if you've worked in PR, you can tell how much media training that woman has had. And she is riding that interview. It is going the way she wants it to go. I didn't know so much like Robert Downey Jr.'s. Yeah, she's comes across as kind of cutesy and nice and charming. Um, Robert Downey Jr. kind of does his bit and he's very gregarious and he's like just trying to crack jokes and especially he was the last one I watched and so if you come to his it's a very different vibe because it's listen to me look at me how funny I am and I have no idea because I've obviously never met the man and do not know him but I feel with Robert Downey Jr obviously he had a very complicated addictive past Mm. then he turned into like the biggest star in the world but I feel Mm. it's very much like he has his he you know this is Robert Downey Jr but what we see is nothing like the real thing whereas someone like Kim Kardashian I don't think I didn't say he was an asshole asshole, I I just think I I was never trying to be that negative I was just (laughs) trying to say that I think he very much has a public persona which he likes to keep very separate from his private persona perhaps due to the you know years of difficulties had whereas of course Kim Kardashian has done years of that weird reality melded tv which is like yeah. i'm this is my persona but it's probably it's maybe a little bit my persona not my persona so i imagine she'd be much more polished which she'd also come across whereas yeah robert Downey jr i can imagine he's just 
he I, I think he'd be fun to hang out with but i think you'd be hanging out with like robert downey jr with a little tm at the top of it you know that's that's that is how the interview comes across very much so how's david letterman himself though because now he's grown that huge beard and he's just generally he's like, cute enough he's he's never going to change what he does so we're getting 90s david letterman i think just a bit quieter he's he's very understated and it is all he's one of those good interviewers where it's all about his subject which is what it should be about he really takes kind of a back seat um i really like dave chappelle's i think he's i don't know how famous he was in the 90s i get the vibe he was massive but i think he's really come back in the last five he years to, he was huge yeah. in the 90s then it all again he kind of again i think there were some addiction issues there i think there's oh, okay. just several kind of but he's just yeah. exploded over the last five years and he is just now the elder statesman of stand-up comedy and and he still has that fury inside him which i think is really important yeah. i think as a, as a late middle-aged man he still has fury. yeah great um and yeah he also makes very poignant and contemporaneous comments on what's going on and he famously did that stand-up show after george floyd was killed and letterman asks him about that I've got big kudos for Letterman generally because for me personally, I'm a huge fan of the Foo Fighters and <laughs> David Letterman was the first late night show back in 1995 to show the Foo Fighters live on his show. And yeah, I think that really is Ahead all, of the curve. Yeah, it really, really bumped their career from their first album. That was that was a great, a great show that was. Yeah. Well, I think yeah, as well, if you think about how long that he did the Late Show with David Letterman for, you know, I think in terms of interviewers, like you say, to me, he's like the American Graham Norton. There, I said it, because I, I love him. I think Graham so. Norton. Graham think Norton's very good at what he does. Brilliant. Both and I think he's done now, like 25. Both now have big grey beards. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. This is very true. Silver zaddies. Um, I also like, it, which it, this makes sense now, actually, what you said about Foo Fighters, Stu, because he also picked, if you think of that lineup. Kim Kardashian, Robert Downey Jr., Dave Chappelle, and the fourth is Lizzo. I know she's a huge pop star, but she's quite new, and she is nowhere near as famous as those other three people. So I think he is, again, he's ahead of the curve. He's brought her in because he knows she is going to be an icon. And her life story is really interesting as well because I don't know her very much because she's so new. Um, but, yeah, I think Lizzo likes it. Yeah. She's, she's, not, but she's, not, she's like a classically trained musician. I mean, that's yeah. something that she's a she's got she's like a flautist, I think, or an yeah, oboe yeah. or something. There's something that she's hit like great gazillion in, and it's either a oboe or flute. She's yeah. very, very talented. And then, yeah, her route to fame was very interesting. So I think she was, um, I think, did Prince have something to do with it? Or am I getting mixed up with Kristen Scott Thomas, who I did see on Graham Norton, who was handpicked <laughs> by Prince to star in that film with him? Well, well, Chris and Scott Thomas from yes. Four Weddings and a Funeral, Rebecca, was yes. handpicked by print. Oh, God. Yes. This, this is getting way meta for me for a Friday night. What I will the say most recent is, Graham Norton. I watched it, and that's why I then watched Rebecca, but I don't remember her discussing <laughs> Right. Looking at the Wikipedia entry, allegedly she was touring or, or was on stage with Harmart Superstar. So I, I can't see anything about Prince, but, you mm. know... E e e equally sexual musicians yeah really oh. um yeah harmar thank god he's not working anymore. But netflix you've got four really well five now with the bollywood superstar interesting hours of tv and it's quite it's not very intense 
like some hour long one on one interviews are because they do splice it in with little trips to their local supermarket or you go visit their hometown or a diner they used to go to when they were little so it's a nice relaxing pace and you just get to know the person apart from Robert Downey Jr you get to know the real person it's a little bit off subject for it but I was going to say I sat and watched the entire Saturday Night Live episode that Adele posted because now if no well okay no I'm not there's no judgment here I'm just saying if you (laughs) have now tv or if you have sky you now have on sky comedy which is available on both Sky TV and now you can watch all the episodes of Saturday Night Live if you'd want to, which for a long time you've never Saturday been able to. Live. And so now you end up watching online Instagram clips or YouTube yeah. clips. So I'm not saying that it was particularly great, although I am, I do love, I'm, I'm, no, I'm a huge fan of Adele. Oh, come on. She's, a, she's not a stand up comedian. She's not a stand up presenter. She hosted mm. it. And she did a good job. They did a, I, I very much enjoyed The Bachelor. They did a very good pastiche, an eight-minute pastiche of The Bachelor with Adele in it. And if you look at anything, then look at that. Yes, you. Speaking as someone who works on IT, I am also a huge fan of Adele. <laughs> Don't laugh, because then it encourages him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. But, but you I, never know. I, like, I, maybe I, 10% of our 60 listeners may be tuning in for just That's this. the kind of shit Get Off My Dick Richard would love, actually. <laughs> Speaking seriously, though, I did watch... If he some... hadn't stopped listening to us many moons ago. I did I'll wa- get it back on, don't <laughs> I? <laughs> I did watch some of the SNL um, stuff, and she did do a very good job, given the fact that she's not an actor or anything. so too. Yeah. And the whole obsession about her losing weight, actually, she looks great. She doesn't look weirdly different she just and she's still I'm, I'm always obsessed with Adele's nails and I've seen her live because I did go and see her in the O2 live I went to go and see that big O2 thing that she did her, I'm always obsessed with her her nails her nails are like I can't imagine she allegedly has a child obsessed. as a child and manages to maintain those nails is beyond me but anyway I don't know where that was I was I was just thinking about yeah the fact that we can now um we in the UK and perhaps elsewhere across Europe can now possibly not download, um, be able to, access. what is the word you guys, what? access, access, access all this content is what I'm trying to say. For 30 years, we haven't been able to access Saturday Night Live and now we can. For example, it's not great. Pete Davidson turns up for like maybe a minute in every Aww, episode. It's probably I the most famous Pete person. Davidson. But it's nice to be able to. It's nice to know you can do it. And I was watching on my phone and husband of bad text came in and said, Emma, I have recorded this entire thing for you on a television. I was like, oh, oh it's marvellous. Because my Judge life would Jago, be, go on. You're going to like this, Stuart. Judgey Jago, who's recently deeply got into Cobra Kai, refuses to watch it on the television and instead just lies on a beanbag watching it on his phone. I'm like, Jago, no one's watching the TV. It's half term. You can watch it at any point on a bigger screen. He's like, doesn't have the same, doesn't have the same effect. Did you know that Daniel San went to Cobra Kai himself or whatever it is he's trying to tell me about Cobra Kai? But I'm entertained by the fact that children love it. it well, maybe I shouldn't be entertained. It's concerning, obviously, as we move away from cinemas and everything else. Kids love a small, they just like a small personal screen. I mean, I don't understand why. I mean, they put so much money into these productions and making sure it looks great. And granted, that smartphone and tablet screens are 
amazing these days they're very high resolution and everything but come on get a decent oh, it breaks my heart yeah. i mean i try i'm trying my best here Stuart. i'm trying to say to them you should be watching these things on the biggest screen you can do and not, not, i've done that since 12 years old and not even just a big screen get a good sound system as well uh, that's been my problem since i got my projector in but that's another story <laughs> By the end of this lockdown, Stuart, you are going to have, like, the cinema of Cambridge. Uh, the tickets. You really got distracted there. <laughs> Sorry. Tangent. On your... On Tangent. Your... So, my guest, my next guest needs no introduction with David Letterman. Back on Netflix, you've got five episodes out already by the looks of it. And judging on old seasons, you will probably only get six or seven um, so I think they're drip feeding them in batches, but yeah, have a look at it. It's very nicely done in-depth interview series. Um, and now Emma is going to trash the tone with <laughs> sell it. Go on. Can I sell it? Can I really? Okay. We're still on Netflix then. And this is a show that again, many of my middle-aged friends around Saffron Walden. In fact, no, that's really rude of me. I, have I said this? I feel like I may have said this on another, on another episode. I have two really good friends who I respect their opinions and they have paid good money to watch this. So it's called Below Deck and you will find it on Netflix now. I think it started on Bravo on the States like years ago, 2013 this started and it's still going seven years later. So if you wish to access it, you can find like nine seasons around various places. I am only watching the two seasons that are available for free on Netflix because I'm not that much of a fool. But it is essentially a reality show put on mega yachts, mega charter yachts, and you are following the guys who are working on the yachts. So they are the below deck crew. So they are the engineers, the bosuns, the stewardesses, the captain, I mean, Captain Lee, who looks like a kind of cut price version of um, nothing to do with Star Trek Lower Decks. Stuart, no, very different. Captain Lee, who looks like a cut price Captain Vindus, has, I think, been in it from the beginning. And I'm not sure what he does other than lounge around talking into a walkie talkie to summon everybody up to count the tip up at the end of every week. But I watched the first season and a half. This is slightly embarrassing. I'm going to say I watched it probably in the space of about a week. Because, you know what, as I say, I feel like every other week on this show, we are all stuck at home. You are watching some glorious Caribbean vistas. You're on a mega yacht, which let's face it, I certainly am not going to be able to afford a charter a mega yacht anytime soon. And unless you, Ash, and you, Stu, have some unbeknownst cash fund, you know, that's not known. Not a mega yacht. There's a way you can do it kind of cheaply. I think my mum's done it maybe around the Greek islands. Because if there's at least four or five or six of you, then you just rent the whole boat out because you'd spend a certain amount of money renting a space on that boat. So if you all just buy it together, the crew comes with it. When are we going to do that? When when are we? When are we going to take M M and Ash to the water? (laughs) Anyway, it is... it's i'm not going to say it's charming because it's not charming these people are all dicks they are you know a lot of them are the worst but i think what i appreciate about it is it's not let's say like the real housewives or like keeping up with the kardashians i think a lot of the cast come in and out just for one season because a lot of them after one season of work is it because you do have to work your ass off if you are running a yacht it is it's like a chalet maid or a um 
chambermaid times a zillion because you are having to iron people's clothes, sort their food out, clean the yacht, make sure their rooms are looking good, serve them food, never drink because you can't ever drink on charter. And if Captain Lee finds out you've been drinking on charter, there's, you know, it's, it's, it's a world of pain. So it's just it, these guys are entertaining to watch because I'm not, you know, you're lying, you're lying there, not watching, not working, watching people having to argue and work and basically bitch about each other's bosses, which is what we all used to do at work before we all started working from home. <laughs> so I think maybe, this is maybe why I'm liking it. It's basically office, inside office bitching, but on a glorious location where there are fairy lights and Mediterranean, well, not Mediterranean, in my case, Caribbean oceans and um illegal drinking i love all of that yes you i mean i'm gonna bring it up because everything you've just said actually weirdly rings true of the other series of which i like also oh what below decks below deck start of below decks because it's the same oh, no. thing because for, for you for what you're saying the series is a sort of through the keyhole thing yeah so it's like looking at what goes on in the cruise ship behind the scenes. No? No, no, it is clearly that. But also what makes me laugh is they've obviously agreed a certain number of members of staff who are normally the younger, better-looking people who are just doing it for a season. Because I yeah. think people tend to... You work on a lot for a season. And then every so often, like maybe on episode six of season one, you'll see some guy that you've never seen before and they'll just give a quick sort of Aston over his head that's like, this is Stuart... I'm just saying that because I'm looking at you. I could call them Dave Aaron or whatever, or Dave or Paul or whatever, like fourth cabin hand or whatever. And obviously they, I presume, did not sign the okay to say I'm okay to be in this because so you barely see them. But yeah, you're right. They're, they're just, they're, they're working. Mm. And this is, um, what goes on in Below Decks? So above decks, in Star Trek Below Decks, how are the guys above decks? Because in this, every single person who hires that yacht is a dick in one way or another and they make sure you know that they are the worst the parallel and i'll be very brief on this because i appreciate it's detracting completely what you're saying but it's <laughs> what it's, detracting from below deck i think that's fine they're, they're both called below deck what more do you want but it's the same thing is the whole the whole thing with, with trek is that they are focusing on the bridge crew the important people who make shit happen and and blow decks again as you say kind of like with this cruise ship it's focusing on the people who actually scrub the toilets and fix the things yeah. lower decks is like that but it but it that provides the comedy for the series to which i refer but and 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 the fact you're saying it like that it's making me laugh because there are parallels and those are the exact same parallels that i've been joking about for weeks and then we mentioned both of them i think i maybe like to advise people to watch both of them then maybe i think it Look, it, it is, I'm not trying to pretend, it's just funny to me that it's come onto Netflix at a point during a pandemic, so suddenly about 15 people I know have started watching it, and these guys are kind of, there's an English chef who has the weirdest accent that fits somewhere, it's a little bit like Carl Urban's accent in The Boys, to be fair, it's like Antipodean, come Cockney, come like just an accent that is just, I am the biggest fan of myself, and he's just like, I am the chef, and no one knows I'm going to cook. I cook it and I will never be able to cook it again because we have no budget whatsoever. And I'll go and spend 4,000 quid in the supermarket or whatever because, you know, this is what charters expect. Yet when the guys come on that yacht, clearly they've all been paid by the TV company because none of these guys look like the kind of 
the kind of people I'd expect to have that kind of money. They're, they're all awful. All the people who hire are awful, apart from one episode where they put on, where they put on a great number of awesomely butch lesbians who had um, dogs as well. They, they had like little dogs and, and they were the most fun. Everyone else is horrendous. And then the whole point is they're all so cheap because they don't leave much of a tip. And then that means that they, you know, everyone's ready to leave the ship. It's just, again, are we not seeking at the moment escapism and literal escapism? So watching people on a boat when they are sailing around, it's like, that looks lovely. I wish I was there. You just put a pen in your mouth, Stuart, and I actually thought you were lighting up a cigarette. And I was like, what is going on? Sorry, I, was I, I, I had to type something and uh, yeah. It is, it is below deck and people I know have made it through nine nine seasons. I don't think I'm going to, but me and Judgy Jago have moved from cheapest weddings to Don't Tell the Bride to this. And I, I'm going to say, if you and if you also want to look at just some beautiful kind of like St. Martin's and St. Bart stuff, do it. Do it. Ashley well, looks cheapest so Cheapest weddings I loved and... What, don't tell the bride you loved as well. Don't tell the bride I loved. Married at first sight, Australia loved. I don't know. Just not sure. None of this. this is romance. There is some. It's like workplace romances. And like I said, it's like. But what's entertaining is it's just people bitching about their seniors, and that I enjoyed that. It's like an office. It's like an office reality show set on a yacht that they'll never be able to go on, go on, go on with just miserable people hiring it. Just. Ash, try it. I cannot believe you haven't got the time to try it. And look at you, you poo-poo me, but I've tried so much because you've told me to. Fair enough. Well, again, apologies for the screaming dogs. Can you hear them? Is that because they're so excited about Halloween? Yeah, Halloween is beginning, so they have their first friend coming over now. Are they far enough away, Stu, or is that heinously No, no, it's fine. I'm just putting it through the dog translation matrix and it says, hi, 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 hi. Hi, I'm a dog. Are you a dog? This quiet my dear dog is. Your little Brienne of Tar. I don't think she can bark that one. She just mews like a kitten. But I'll very quickly, I'll super quickly give the slightly bad news about Cambridge Cinemas and then we'll talk about the fun Halloween-y stuff. So it's been recently announced that the light cinema in Cambridge is now only going to open Fridays to Sundays for the foreseeable. They're not making enough money. I don't think they can afford to be open all week with the heinously reduced numbers. But if you can get there, the view is still open in Cambridge. And tomorrow, the Light Cinema is showing Hocus Pocus several times. And they're showing St. Maud again, which is brilliant. And Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Also Halloween, so get yourself down to the light in Cambridge if you're local and support, support, support. Use and it all or I, use it. And all I wanted to say was I want to give a shout out to Tony and Sarah, who are regular listeners of this, who currently will be sitting in our own Saffron screen watching On the Rocks. So Saffron Screen, which is basically a cinema they created in our very, very large high school in Saffron Walden about six years ago. Um, and has always been a bit, I mean, to be fair, Saffron Walden is full, as we talk about many, many times, full of elderly conservative voting <laughs> bastards. And this was based, so every film that came out, like three weeks later, would come to Saffron Screen, but they do a really, really good, you know, they do a good job of that. And they are able, you know, they are 
because of their overheads are so low it's essentially in a school gym that then converts every weekend into a you know in, in into a cinema still open showing stuff that is so that i think they're showing in chicago that they showed charles chicago seven two they're showing on the rocks this week and we have friends who are going to see it so next week they're going to text me and tell us what they thought of it it's not all bad news for the light. The light have um, they have announced, despite the fact obviously they're closing down. They're, they're what we've discussed it before. They've probably only got about ten cinemas up and down the country, but they were partway through um, opening a new cinema complex at the Broadmarsh Centre in Nottinghamshire, um, and apparently they're saying they still want to go ahead with opening it. So even though they're closing them partially for the time being, once all this COVID crap's over, hopefully. The people of Nottinghamshire will have a lovely light in it to visit afterwards. But well, let's hope we all have stuff to go and see. I think they've they produced something today, which is like Tom Cruise reacting to his own memes or whatever. Top, you know, Top Gun Two is still coming out. At some point, there's going to be a, it's like a massive pipeline that's just bulging, and then it's going to. They need to release busting them. out. They do need to release them, and they shouldn't. As we've talked about a million and one times, they shouldn't be so greedy. They Don't should be, be greedy. Anyway. Like, come on. Yeah, if you're really in this business for the love of the artistry, which producers rarely are actually, and it's producers and, and um, production houses that are making these greedy choices, which are decimating the cinema industry, then if you're in it for the love of sharing the art, then it doesn't matter how much money you make, but hey. Finding an audience just like this with our free podcast. So next week, for we're going to talk for, for free. Next week, we're definitely going to cover some crappy Netflix holiday, but we also, well, oh I, we, God, yeah. yeah, but we did just shout out everyone. If you haven't seen it already. No, I'm not allowed to get, I'm not allowed to shout out the, the um, Nightmare Before Christmas. Am I? Because it's a Christmas movie. Well, Stuart thinks halfway between it. You are allowed to watch The Nightmare Before Christmas. I've seen it twice already this year. They do have but... an entire song that says, this is Halloween, this is Halloween. Everybody in Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's the best. It is the best. I've never seen Hocus Pocus. Did you know that? <gasps> Can you still be friends <laughs> Sorry, <with> I choked. <laughs> 23 in episodes quickly. in. I've never seen it. Look at that, the dogs are also <laughs> They're incredulous. Um, and I've just seen on Instagram as well, if you follow E! News on Instagram, go to the link in their bio and one of the cool articles they have um, and videos is all the original cast of Hocus Pocus redoing some of their lines. Is it Bette Midler? It's is Bette Midler, Sarah Michelle, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker and the other brilliant lady whom I can no. never remember. No, but she's got a black oh, fringe, lovely, curvaceous comedic actress, and I can never remember her name. She also starred on an episode of um, Everything Iconic, which is one of my favorite podcasts. Um, he interviews a lot of iconic 90s film actresses. But Hocus Pocus- Kathy Vigini, her yes. from her big fat, my big fat Greek no, wedding. No, different one, you've done, this, you've done an Ashley there. I've done that. I re-listened to last week's Ashley, and you definitely said George Michael, and then you changed it to Michael Jackson halfway through. Yeah, I re-listened, but yeah. I call him Michael by his first name. Yeah. I call George George. <laughs> no, but Madge you're is really Madonna. confusing. So you're talking about it, and anyway, no, Kathy Jimmy is you're right. She's not. I who's what she? She's, she's a character actress, very big in the nineties. Yes, she was um, Whoopi Goldberg's right hand nun in Sister Act. Um, but Hocus I should watch Hocus Pocus. lovely, and they don't. I could go on for ages, and I sound like someone who was twenty years old and he's talking about Halloween. the same stuff. 
but no it's it's come to that point now where I'm of the age where I say they don't make films like that anymore and they don't you don't have um physical effects it's all cgi like you guys are 14 years younger than me stop it but the family films and the kids films in the 90s were so much better kids today are just force fed they don't make them like that anymore because you have children who lie over in a beanbag with their mobile phone it's like i can't (laughs) even be bothered or on the floor bed in the spare lounge i can't even be bothered to go and put on the tv that's why they make them (laughs) The it's, generations today don't deserve it. It's it's Aww. like the the recent rehash of the Adams family, the CGI nonsense. Oh my god, that was shite. Yeah, it's that like Adams family travesty. channeled through Despicable Me and Minions. It's like, no, why would you do that? You've completely taken. I just taken... watched both of the originals again recently. They hold up. I love them. I remember the Adams family values. The the one that's the... my favorite one with Debbie Jelinski. Debbie Jelinski, and and when they go to camp and everything, yeah. I think that's why I like serial killers so much because she's like in disguise and there's like an America's Most Wanted episode and I love it so much. Adam's Family Values. And I just watched the original Adam's Family because I don't watch it so much. I watch Adam's Family Values maybe five times a year and maybe the original only once. So I gave that some love last night and it was well worth it. Holds up, kids. It holds up. Anyway, um, what do you like to watch for Halloween? Or are you a grown-up, so it doesn't really... No, oddly enough, I'm always about Nightmare Before Christmas. And then secondly, I spent an entire half-term some time ago watching nothing other than Wes Anderson's The Fantastic Mr. Fox. And for some reason, that is my Halloween choice. It's not even a Halloween film, but we had an October half-term where that was all the children watched. And it's very orange, obviously, which is, you know, the colour of Halloween. Or dumb, Lovely. I don't have, I don't feel, I don't feel for Halloween the way you do, Ashley. No, well, I like, I like autumn, I like winter, for I like 18 darkness. Weeks, I, for 18 <laughs> weeks, I didn't even accept Christmas as a genre, but mm. now I do. So I'll I move do. on to that. I will move on to some Christmas things. Wonderful. Maybe I've got so much shit to make Stuart watch as we edge towards Christmas. He's going to quit. He is going to, oh, that's my goal. He's going to quit. Oh, wow. Miles. Your, your goal is to make <laughs> me quit. <laughs> Please no. <laughs> he does not know how to quit us, Ashley. Do not. I can't. I wish I could quit you. I wish I knew how to quit I, you. I know that's from that's a film. Stuart. I just don't know what one. <laughs> no, actually, to be fair, Miles, who is middle twin, I who was recently his seventies porn curls cut off. Great. And every haircut, time he has them cut off, he looks. Yeah, it's it's never good after it just gets cut though. He now looks he always looks like my mother. He has a similar curl to his <laughs> head. Like oh, no. It's okay though, he grows it back out again and he owns it in his own way. Yeah. But he and Theo, tall, gormless twin, spent all day working yesterday with a husband bad taste and Miles earned thirty five pounds to go doing stock take and he has spent that on a Oculus virtual reality five nights at freddy's game with like super horror so we're all excited about that so that's my halloween thing speaking of speaking of people spending their pocket money i spending your pokemon money i hope Pokemon, there we go. My Pokemon. Uh, so I uh, yesterday they released the new <laughs> Nvidia RTX 3070 graphics card, which is something to make my computer go slightly whizzier. You did tell us that last week. I'm very pleased, but this is also to why you should come out and join us in the dry restaurants that Ashley picks. 
Why the no, 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 the dry restaurants? Your I can't. Money on no booze. I don't understand the well, concept. Well, I I had a good booze story in that I felt my Strongbow tasted flat a few weeks ago. I wrote to Strongbow. They sent me a ten pound voucher, so I got a huge box of Strongbow ready for this yeah. weekend for three pounds fifty. I think it's quite appropriate that you bring up huge, uh, uh, bring up booze stories, being that Halloween booze. All right, no, enough now. <laughs> ruined it for everyone. We're ending it there. So <laughs> 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 right, like and subscribe wherever you listen because that helps and really it would be nice to get into a kind of regular three figures we're going to work on how we're going to do that because i need to remember to actually it, you can't because i never do that let's reconvene next week moving a, into christmas as hope you all had week. a great halloween as well by the way yeah it's the most wonderful time of the year even kids. if you're in one of the countries where you can do really nothing for halloween and it's good. Watch no a movie. There are no invitations to awkwardly turn down. Just be yourself in your house, in your bat jumper, alone. It's fucking wicked. Christmassy stuff starts to seep in from next week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Hope you had a great Samhain. Blessed Halloween, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.